Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book Two Considerations Inviting Us to Live an Interior Life, Chapter One About Living an Interior Life. God's kingdom lies within you, the Lord says. You must turn to him, the Lord, with all your heart and leave this wretched world behind you if your soul is is to find rest. Learn to despise this world of outward things and devote yourself to what lies within. There within you, you will see the coming of God's kingdom. That's what God's kingdom means. Peacefulness and rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. Something denied to the irreligious. Christ is ready to come to you with what kindness in his glance. But you must make room deep in your heart to entertain him as he deserves. It is for the inward eye, all the splendor and beauty of him, deep in your heart is where he likes to be. Where he finds a man whose thoughts go deep, he is a frequent visitor. Such pleasant converse, such welcome words of comfort, such deep repose, such intimate friendship are well nigh past belief. Up with you then, faithful soul. Get your heart ready for the coming of this true lover, or he will never consent to come and make his dwelling in you. That is his own way of putting it. If a man has any love for me, he will be true to my word and we will come to him and make our abode with him. You must make room for Christ then and shut the door upon all intruders. If Christ is yours, then wealth is yours. He satisfies all your wants. He will look after you, manage all your affairs for you most dutifully. You will need no human support to rely on. Our human friends change so easily, fail us after such a short time, whereas Christ abides forever and stands loyally to the last at our side. A human friend that shares our frail mortality may do us good service and endear himself to us, but it is a mistake to repose much confidence in him. Why should we make such a tragedy of it if he takes the wrong side now and again in opposition to us? Friends today, enemies tomorrow, and the other way around. It's always the same. Men's hearts veer like the breeze. Put all your trust in God. Center in him all your fear and all your love. He will make himself responsible for you and all will go well as he sees best. This world is no native country of ours. Go where you will. You are only a foreigner, only a visitor in it. Nothing will ever bring you rest except being closely united to Jesus. Why stand gaping here? This is no place for you to settle down. Heaven is your destination. 
and you should look upon this earthly scene only as a transit camp, transient, all created things, and you as much as the rest of them, cling to them, and you will get caught up in them and be lost. All your thoughts must be at home with God. All your prayer make its way up to Christ continually. Ah, but it is above your reach, you complain. Such high contemplation of heavenly things. Why then, let your mind come to rest in Christ's passion and find in his sacred wounds the home it longs for. Take refuge in those wounds, those precious scars, as a devout soul should, and you will feel in all your troubles a deep sense of consolation. How little you will care for the contempt of your fellow men. How easily you will put up with their criticisms. When Christ lived in the world, he too met with human contempt. His own intimate friends at the hour of his greatest need left him to face insult. Christ so ready to suffer and be despised. And have you complaints to make? Christ with enemies and slanders all about him. And do you expect to find nothing but friendship and kindness? The crown is for endurance. Where is it going to come from if you never meet with difficulties? If you want to have everything your own way, you are no friend of Christ's. You must hold out with him and for love of him before you can share his kingdom. If you'd ever really got inside the mind of Christ, ever had a single taste of his burning love, Considerations of your own loss or gain would mean nothing to you. You would be glad to have insults heaped on you. The love of Jesus fills us with self-contempt. If you love Jesus, if you love the truth, if you really direct your gaze inwards and rid yourself of uncontrolled affections, then you can turn to God at will lifted out of yourself by an impulse of the Spirit, and rest in him contentedly. The man who can experience all the values of life, not judging them by what's said about them or the price that's put upon them, but as they really are, he is the true expert. His learning is not human but divine, and a man like that, who knows how to walk by the light within him and make little account of outward things, doesn't have to look for a suitable place or wait for a suitable time before he falls to his devotions. Living in this inward world, he never squanders his attention on the things of sense, and recollection comes easy to him. Is there a practical work to be done? some business that can't be put off. He doesn't feel it as an obstacle. He is adaptable enough to take things as they come. If there's order and discipline in your own soul, the doings of other people 
won't surprise you or put you out. If you are fond of interfering, to that extent, you will always be faced with difficulties and distractions. If you are all right in yourself, if you'd really been through the process of purification, you'd be able to turn anything to good account and profit by it. Why is it that such a lot of things get on your nerves and are always disturbing your peace of mind? It's because you've never really died to self, never really weaned yourself away from earthly things. The unchastened love of creatures. That's what disfigures and entangles a man's conscience as nothing else does. If you refuse all outward consolation, heaven will come into your view and fill you again and again with spiritual rejoicing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, apostle of Rome, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thomas Kempis in this chapter makes a very interesting distinction. He distinguishes thinking about God, thinking about the eternal life of God in heaven, from thinking about Christ's passion, dwelling upon his five sacred wounds. And why is this distinction interesting? Well, because people say, oh, I have difficulty thinking about God. God seems beyond me. The Trinity, the eternal, almighty, ever-living God. It's very hard for me to ponder that and to ponder infinity. And so Thomas Kempis says, well, then think about God made man. And above all, think of the five wounds his hands, his feet, his side, which show us how much God loves us. In other words, we cannot ever forget the incarnation. We cannot forget that God wanted to show us not only that he exists, not only that he has an inner life of, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he wanted to show us that he's lovable. He wanted to show us how much he desires our love. And so we don't show much faith if we bypass the incarnation. If we think we can somehow mount up to an inner contemplation of, the, of God apart from his full revelation in his son. So in this Easter season, when we're thinking about the wounds that Christ showed, the wounds he kept after he rose from the dead, tonight's reading is very fitting. Because what did Jesus say to the apostles? See my hands and my feet. It is I. 
Or as he said to St. Thomas, put your finger into the mark of the nails and put your hand into my side. Those are the five wounds, the five sacred wounds, the hands, the feet, and the side. And he tells us to take refuge in those wounds, to hide yourself in those wounds. And what does he say can come about from this? What he says can come about is not just knowing Christ as, an, as something that we love, that we want to follow, that we want to imitate. No, he says in paragraph six that you have to get inside the mind of Jesus. And we have a, a taste, he says, can have a taste of his burning love. And this is very, very important for prayer. That is, when Christ draws us even momentarily, briefly, into an experience of knowing what he went through. Not just looking at him from the outside, but somehow sharing in his own states, his own love, his own patience, his own thinking. And prayer can lead us into that. And he says, once this touches us, once we get a taste of that in prayer, then so many other things get easier, so many other things follow. Now, as we enter into the Easter season, the devil's going to try to make us really distracted. We've been holding things back during Lent. Now we want to relax a bit. And many of the things we cut out, we're going to try to go back to. And some of them are fine. But we really need to ask the Lord how we can keep serving him. We really want to not dissipate our interior life. We really want to cultivate those practices which allow us to keep our focus on the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.